You know, it's kind of funny this morning that oftentimes in my life, I want to give God everything that I don't have, but I am unwilling to give him what I do have. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, how often do we say, boy, if I had a million dollars, I'd give God half of it. Or if I just had a few more years and I had good health, or if I had this or I had that, and I'd, I'd give it to God. And oftentimes, can I tell you what God wants? It's not what we don't have. It's what we do have. And what we have is ourself. That's what God wants. He, he wants us. He wants us to say, all right, here, here am I. I'm, I'm going to give you what I have. You say, well, I, I'm not what I used to be. Do you know you can still give God all that you have? Think about it. You may have wasted some years. I think we've all wasted time to some extent or the other. But you can give God all you got left. And you can give God all you have now. And I pray today, oh my goodness. Uh, there's been a lot of talk in our country lately about revival and what revival really is. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and, and try to pick apart what is and what isn't at the moment. I don't think it's the time or the place today. But I will tell you this. <clears throat> I believe with all of my heart, if we as God's people offered ourselves to him, I, I think we'd have real revival. That Because we're totally surrendered to whatever God wants. And if you're here this morning and you're lost, you say, Lord, here am I. I, I, I want to be saved. I, I promise you we could have revival. Or maybe you're saved this morning and holding back from God. Uh, I promise you we'd have revival if we just said, here am I. Here am I. Lord, send me. Do the work you desire to do today. Good to see you today. Hope you're having a good Sunday. And hope that that hour of sleep has not hindered you. Uh, from, uh, from being, uh, being attentive this morning, amen? I told my class, I said, some folks are going to find the hour they lost during the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, and if so, don't worry, look, look, we are a full-service church here. We will wake you up before it's time to go, okay? We're not going to leave you here uh, all alone. But thank the Lord for allowing us to be here today. And uh, it's been a great week, been good things happening around our property and in our families this week. It's good to hear just spiritual decisions made this week, having people saved, people being baptized uh, uh, this evening. And then uh, had a new baby uh, born in our church family this week. Uh, Brother Johnny and Miss Hannah had their little baby there uh, at Merritt this week. I think Amelia Kate is her name. And uh, I believe they're watching from the hospital this morning. You pray for them. And I'm quite excited. Our church is growing many different ways. Amen. Uh, we have a lot of folks that are expecting. We're going to have a whole crop coming in. And I'm excited about that. And what a privilege to raise children, the nurture and admonition of the Lord, get them started right in the house of God. And I'm thankful for what the Lord's doing. And I'm thankful for what he's going to do today. Glad to have our Mexico team back. Uh, made it safely. And a little worried there a few times, not going to lie. I was a little apprehensive, did not know that there was some unrest down there on the border until after they had left. And uh, someone asked me, I think it was on Monday afternoon, our team wasn't involved in that kidnapping, were they? And I said, excuse me? And uh, I immediately got on my phone and began texting, Brother AJ, are y'all okay? Brother AJ said, yeah, we're fine. I said, well, good. I just wanted to make sure you weren't kidnapped. And Thank the Lord uh, for allowing them to go and use them and uh, look forward to more opportunities to go down there and help out one of our missionaries down in Mexico. Uh, this morning it's time to turn to the Word, so let's open up our Bibles, if we could, to Exodus chapter number 14. Exodus chapter number 14, if you're paying close attention on social media, uh, you saw that Miss Mallory made it to Papua New Guinea. Uh, that's a long, long way from Hattiesburg and pray for her that God will use her there on that field that he has her in right now. Pray for mom and dad as, uh, as they're adjusting to life without that sparky little perky personality. Amen. 
Uh, she's a personality that is to be missed, and you pray for them. And just excited to see God using our people, especially some of our young people, in his service. Exodus 14, if you're there, go ahead and stand if you don't mind. I know we're a little sleepy. Uh, I woke up this morning, my alarm went off, and at 5.30, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm feeling it. Uh, and so I got 15 more minutes. And uh, so I hope, that, I hope that you're energized and will pay attention and allow the Lord to work through his word. Exodus chapter 14, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of this. The children of Israel have just escaped, uh, been led out of Egypt. They've now come upon uh, the roadblock here, which is the Red Sea. If you'll look down to verse number 9, the Bible says the Egyptians are pursuing after them. Uh, in verse number 10, the Bible says that when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Can you imagine how they felt? One moment, high emotion, excited. The Bible says they went out with a high hand, excited about being delivered out of Egypt, and then turn around, and there's the world power, the army of the Egyptians marching after them. Then what do they do? Well, they did what just about any good Baptist would do. Uh, they begin complaining, murmuring, and uh, talking bad to the preacher. Okay, so that happens in verse number 12. They said, leave us alone. Is that not what we say often? Leave us alone. We don't want to hear what God had to say. You should have left us where we were. We were happier in captivity. What a sad thought that we'd be just as happy in captivity. But watch what verse 13 says. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, <clears throat> stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Bible goes on to say, which ye, he will show you today for the Egyptians whom ye have seen today. Ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. The Bible says this. I want you to pay close attention to 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel. Watch this. That they go forward. We're going to focus on that, read a few more verses here in just a minute, but let's pray and ask the Lord to give us grace. Father, I thank you for your word and what a powerful, powerful account we are reading about. Not a fairy tale, true account, Lord, you preserve for us in your word. What an exciting thought that the very same God that we are reading about here, who would part the Red Sea and work so many miracles, is the same God we're asking for help today. And we pray for your help in the preaching. Help us present the word in a way that's pleasing to you. I pray that, Lord, you'd be with our people that are both in this building and, and tuning in, that you'd work through your word, and that, Lord, we'd be obedient to it for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you look around our building, and now we've had a, a little over two months now to get into our theme, the burden for our year is obviously being ready. And as you look around our building, we tried to put it on both sides this year where everyone could see that and kind of have a checkbox of things that we're trying to become and uh, number one, it's obviously being ready, ready to preach the gospel, ready to every good work, and ready for the Son of Man to return. And I'm looking forward to that. But to be honest with you, ready is not something that I believe I am ready yet. Could we agree with that today? That ready is a goal that we're working toward. And God gave us that bullseye early in the year that we're going to shoot for, that we might be ready for the Lord's return and ready to be used of the Lord. And I pray that we're working toward that as a church body. But I'll admit to you, there's several areas in my life, I'll be honest with you, I'm not ready yet. 
the trump of God were to sound today, I know there will be a few boxes in my heart and my life that are not checked yet. We have our checklist that we gave out earlier in the year. Just as a little bit of a guide to help us walk and grow together in this area of being ready for the Lord's return and ready for his use. And I look down on my checklist and I realize there's some areas that I need to work on. I'm not there yet, but by the grace of God, I hope you're already working toward that. I hope we haven't had this theme in just about every message this year, and we've had over a dozen of them now, uh, dealing with the subject of being ready. I hope that you've taken some of the truths of God's word and plugged them into your life, and that you're on your way to becoming who God would have you to be, because to be honest with you, we're not. God would not have given us the burden and the theme this year to shoot for of being ready if we were already ready, but this after or this morning, we've got to work toward that. Think about it this way, becoming what we haven't been is going to require us to do what we haven't been doing. Does that make sense to you? In order to become something that we're not, which is ready, we're going to have to start doing things that we haven't been doing in order to be ready. Give an example. Our our kids, I know all of our kids are straight A students, right? All you guys, straight A's all the time. And uh, I'm thankful for that, uh, or at least they're working toward that. But you know, if they were, let's just say, pretend, say you were a C student. I know you're not. Don't be insulted. But if you were a C student this morning and you got tired of being a C student, you say, I want to be a B student or an A student. In order for them to move from where they are at as a C student, they're going to have to start doing some things they haven't been doing, i.e. studying, correct? So in order to be what they're not, they're going to have to start doing things they have not been doing. Say, maybe you're trying to lose weight in this new year. I think that's probably always a good thing for us to try to stay healthy. We might be able to be used to the Lord a little bit longer in this life. And you say, well, you know what? I would like to be a size, and I'm going to let you fill in the blank. I don't need to quench the spirit this morning by guessing, okay? And you're like, I really would love to be this size, and you're not that size right now, okay? Do you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to start doing things you haven't been doing, i.e. exercising. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Aaron. I appreciate that. All right. Got quiet there for a second. Brother Richard's out sick today. Somebody's going to have to help out in the preaching. Amen. If we're going to become ready and get to the place where we're not, you've got to start doing things that you haven't been doing. Getting ready is not going to come to us at rest. Getting ready is going to come to us by working toward it and taking steps toward that. James 1.22, the Bible says to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Do you know why we're not ready? We have heard the word. We've been in church. We've been in Sunday school. We listen to podcasts and read our Bible. But I'm afraid we have been hearers of the word and not doers of the word. We are not taking the steps necessary to become a people that is ready and prepared for the Lord. Think about it this way this morning. Uh, It's been a while since I rode a bicycle, Uh, whether it is a real bicycle or a stationary bicycle. Uh, I haven't ridden one in a long time. But you know when you're riding a bicycle, what happens if you quit pedaling? Some of you are like, I don't know, I've never ridden a bicycle, okay? You ought to get into it. It's a great, a great hobby to get into. If you quit pedaling, you're going to fall over, okay? Try it when you get home. I know you don't believe me because I'm a preacher and you don't believe what I have to say, but you ought to try it when you get home. You might find it's true. You have to keep moving or else you'll fall over. And you shouldn't be, listen, you shouldn't be surprised when you do fall over. Why? Because you have not done what you needed to do to keep it moving. Now, that's what I want you to think about this morning. 
If we're going to become ready, progress has to be a continuing effort. We started off in January excited. Our theme is ready. We're going to start working down our checklist. We're going to start working on making sure, hey, we're discipled. We're witnessing. We're working on our prayer, sanctification, fruits of the Spirit, the armor of God. And boy, we were excited about it. And we started off on this journey to becoming ready. And then what happens? Life. Life happens. And all God's people said, amen. Life happens. We have interruptions and interference that comes in our way. And before you know it, you've done lost track of your boxes. And you may have already burned your paper. You're like, I don't even want to look at it anymore. I'm so far behind in the boxes that I need to check. What happened? Well, you quit moving and you fell over spiritually. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, look, don't feel bad if you have interruptions and interference in your life. That is what the devil specializes in. All right, the devil's watching you, and he sees you get up off of your spiritual couch to start making movements in the will of God for your life. And he's like, well, they're not going to last long. You know, this is like their diet. <laughs> it's only going to last a couple of days, and they're going to be over it. But wait a minute. He starts watching you three days in a row. You prayed three days in a row? Wait a minute. And I, I declare they read their Bible. And so then he goes and picks out probably one of his junior little demons, all right? Probably one straight out of demon school, doesn't have a whole lot of experience thinking, all right, hey, go harass them a little bit. And he goes over and harasses and probably knocks out half of Christians today. It doesn't take much to knock us out. Man, some of you, you just keep peddling and you keep moving. And he's like, all right, I need to get a junior high demon after you, all right? I mean, junior high and demon, they just go together, right? You know, I'm picking, you know. And he sends them out there and five days, six days, seven days, you're just keeping on moving. And he's like, all right, they become a high priority. And he goes and gets him one of those college-learned demons. And he says, hey, I need somebody to go tackle that guy before he becomes a threat to me. And he comes at us with interference. He comes at us with interruptions. By the way, that's the plan. He can't afford you to keep your bicycle up on two wheels. He can't afford you to do the will of God. He can't afford you to learn about sanctification. He can't afford you to become a better Christian witness. He can't afford that. And so he sends things along the way to try to slow you down and stop you. The sad truth is here today, most people will get slowed down. Most people will get stopped. The interference will knock us out of what God would have us to be, and we're not going to be ready. Now, we're reading about the children of Israel. They have left Egypt, and they're excited about, watch, moving toward what God has ready. What does God have ready? A land flowing with milk and honey. God says, I've got that ready for you, and I want you to arrive there at what I have ready, but you've got to keep moving. Lo and behold, here comes a Red Sea, and the army of the Egyptians are marching behind them. And boy, they have a critical decision to make right here at this place we read about this morning. A critical decision to keep moving. Watch what verse 15 says. Here's what God wanted them. They're panicking they're murmuring, they're griping. Verse 15, the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Do you know why? Look, if you fell off your bike between January and now, trying to become ready, can I tell you why we fall off our bike? We quit moving. We quit moving. 
well, God, you just don't know. I got this happening in my life, this happening in my life. I read a statistic this week that blew my mind, and I know it's got to be true because I got it off the Internet. Costly interruptions from emails, instant messages, and phone calls are decreasing U.S. business productivity by $588 billion annually. That's billion with a B. Listen to this. Basic's study reveals that interruptions to workflow can cost the average, uh, average worker up to 2.1 hours a day or 28% of their time. You think about that this morning. That's productivity. That's, that's job getting done in the carnal world. We have to work. I believe it's even worse in the spiritual world. That we don't keep moving. We allow interruptions and we allow interference and distractions to f- help us fall off of our spiritual bicycle. Galatians 5, Paul put it this way, you did run well, who did hinder you? He says you were doing good, you were pedaling. Remember when you taught your kids to ride a bicycle? Yeah, I wouldn't know what that's like. Because I failed to teach my kid to ride a bicycle. I discovered that a couple of years ago and I'm thinking, man, I've got to get on the ball as an American parent because, you know, riding a bicycle is like apple pie. It's about as American as you can get. You're teaching your kid to ride the bicycle, and man, they're a little wobbly at first, and they crash, and after a while, they get going good, and they'll fall over from time to time. The Bible says you did run well. Who did hinder you? Who did hinder you? You were doing good. You were on your way to becoming ready. You were so, you were so dedicated to working to checking those boxes off. Who did hinder you? You quit moving is who hindered you. You decided that you were going to take some time off and not as be as faithful, and you quit moving. And if we truly desire this morning to be ready, do you know what we're going to have to do? Here's the message today. You're going to have to be ready to move. you got to be ready to move. You're not going to stay on your spiritual bicycle. You're not going to be ready for the Lord's return, and you're not going to be ready to be used by God until you start taking the steps and keep moving in the will of God for your life. And I want to show you three things this morning. I think that will encourage you. I'm not going to be mean today. Write it down. I want to be nice and encouraging. I want to show you how to keep moving and how to be ready to move in the will of God this morning. Notice verse 15. I read it a moment ago, but let me read the second half again. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Now, can I ask you something real quick? Who's talking to Moses? Uh, It's God, all right? This is Almighty God, and Moses, he says, Moses, you tell them, watch what I say. And God says, I want them to know that they need to keep moving forward. Now, this is going to be overly simplistic, but sometimes we overlook the simple things. And we miss out on the greatest motivation to keep moving. You know what that is? Number one, I want you to notice, move forward by obedience. God says to Moses, you tell the people, I want them to move forward. And the thing that should motivate us most this morning is simple obedience to the word of God. This morning, we should not wonder and doubt and question whether or not the Lord wants us to go witnessing. We should not wonder and doubt and question whether or not the Lord wants us to have the fruits of the Spirit in our life. Do you know why we should move toward those things? Not just to be ready. Oh no, there's a simpler answer. And that answer is God has commanded it. God has told us, I want my children to keep moving forward. By the way, you'll do that your entire spiritual life. 
You're never going to get to the end of the race and say, well, uh, look, I, I finished early. I'm going to retire as a Christian. Can I tell you where the Christian retirement home is at? You ready? It's heaven. <laughs> That's it. Somebody says, well, you know, you, you need to slow down. I'm going to slow down one day. Look, I'm going to slow down when it really matters, when I get to heaven. But down here, I've got a race to run. Have you ever run a race slow? I don't know that you're going to win that kind of race. No, look, I want to run a race and win the prize. I want to finish my course, and the only way I'm going to do that is to keep moving. Well, how do you stay motivated? God commanded it. Tell the children that they move forward. Folks, this morning, a lot of us are sitting on the side of the road propped up on our spiritual bicycles. And this morning, our families are falling over. Our children are falling over. Can I tell you why? We quit moving. We quit moving. Well, you just don't know who hurt my feelings. Look, I don't know who hurt your feelings, but can I tell you something this morning? It doesn't overshadow what thus saith the Lord. You get to heaven and say, God, look, I know what you said, but no, there is no fill in the blank there. Now, folks, look, i be honest with you, I get my feelings hurt sometimes. But the truth, the truth of the matter is progress and obedience are inseparable, inseparable in the will of God for our lives. Progress and obedience are inseparable. What do you mean by that? You can't make progress without being obedient. We're living in a world that tells you that you can progress as a Christian and do things the way you want to do. Not so, says the Lord. Not so, says his word. The only way we'll make progress in the will of God is through obedience to the will of God. Deuteronomy 11, we would read this later on in the story of the children of Israel. What did he tell them? Wednesday, a few weeks ago, we preached on Ebal and Gerizim, those two mountains at Shechem. He says, this mountain is a blessing if you obey, this mountain is a curse if you disobey. Now, did you hear what he said? Let me read it verbatim. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. Notice he said, if you want to find what you're looking for, you're only going to find that through obedience. You will not find the blessings of God. You will not find growth as a Christian. You will not find fulfillment of his will without sooner or later getting around to good old-fashioned obedience. I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said, if you'll teach your children, I'm paraphrasing, if you'll teach your children obedience first, it's so much easier to teach them anything else. They've got to learn obedience. If you don't learn obedience, you're going to have a hard time teaching them to brush their teeth. I just don't know why. Look, I promise you obedience would take care of a lot of the rebellion we deal with in our country. The problem is they've never learned to obey. We're thinking, why do people defy authorities like the police? And why do people defy authorities that, by the way, God ordained over us? It's in Scripture. Why do people do that? Because they did it at home. <laughs> That's why. Don't be surprised if we don't learn obedience as children if we still haven't learned it as adults. Now, you're thinking, boy, I tell you, that's why our world's in the shape it's in. I'll tell you, it goes back more to Christian obedience than carnal obedience. We haven't learned obedience. We have fallen, the church in America today has fallen off its spiritual bicycle. Why? We quit moving. How do you move? You move through obedience. It boils down to that this morning. Notice, I want you to see something. Notice what the Lord says. If you look down, um, verse 11. They said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, boy, they are griping and complaining. Verse 12, didn't we tell you to leave us alone, is what they're saying there. Moses told the people, fear not, stand still and see. Moses says, God wants to show you something. 
But what's amazing, when he finally gets down to verse 15, watch what the Bible says. Wherefore criest thou unto me? Now, now look, don't miss this, okay? God says to Moses, why are you crying out? Why are y'all, why are y'all whining? He didn't say y'all, okay, but you, you get where we're coming from. Why are you guys griping and complaining? You have no reason to complain. I told you to go forward. I'll tell you, there's no need for us to complain either. There's no need for us to cry out about falling off of our bicycle when we don't have the spiritual courage to keep that bicycle moving. We cry out to God every time our family falls over and our kids fall over. The problem is oftentimes we haven't kept moving in order to get to the destination of the family and children that God has called us to have. It comes through obedience this morning. There was a man, he was always calling in sick to work. Maybe you're a boss and you know people like that. I'm afraid in our culture it's only going to get more and more folks like that because they haven't learned obedience. And this guy would call in to work sick all the time and his family were just worried about it. He just called in sick and went to the doctor one day and he says, Doc, he says, I, something's wrong. I just, and I get up in the morning, I don't feel like going to work and I just don't feel good. And the doctor ran all of these tests on him. Ran his blood and blood pressure and got him on a treadmill and checked all of that. And the doctor took him in a room and he says, sir, he said, uh, I, I, I've come up with what's wrong. I've I got it. And he says, give it to me straight. Just give it to me straight. He said, sir, I'm afraid you're lazy. The guy looks at the doctor and he says, he says, can you give me a more complicated clinical term that I can share with my family? He says, no, you're just lazy. Now hear me out. We like to give more complicated clinical terms to why we're not what we ought to be and not why we're not further down the road than we ought to be. The truth of the matter is this morning, there is no clinical term. We're just disobedient. We quit moving. We quit moving. God said in verse number 15, tell them I, I want them to go forward. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. I, I want to read this for you because uh, in my Bible, there's a break between verse 46 and verse 47, but they're really in the same context. Jesus says, and why call ye me Lord and do not the things which I say? I'll promise you in the modern Bibles, that one's probably torn out. Because the Bible says a profession is not enough. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You know what he's saying? Having a profession of who you are is not going to get you down the road. At some point, you've got to do the things that he says. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about spiritual growth. You can't just say, I'm a child of God, and therefore, God's going to bring it all to me. He says, no, saying, Lord, Lord's not enough. You've got to do the things that he says. Now, watch this. Verse 47 is right there in the same context. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. You know the story. The winds blew. The waves crashed. And what happened? One house fell. One house stood. Now, wait a minute. The context of that verse is the ones who hear and do are the ones who make progress. The ones who hear and don't do are the ones who don't last. They're the ones who fall off their bicycle. You see, at some point, you've got to decide, I'm going to do what thus saith the Lord, not just hear what thus saith the Lord. Several years ago, I flew into Uganda. 
And uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was flying into the, the largest airport in Uganda, which is called Entebbe. Uh, many of you who are maybe a little older than I am remember the story. It was also made into a movie uh, about the raid on Entebbe. Let me read you the facts behind that. July 1976, it was an Airbus A300 flight, originated out of Tel Aviv and had several stops to make, but uh, was diverted by hijackers and landed in Uganda at the airport at Entebbe. Uh, they were Palestinian terrorists and pretty much let all of the non-Jews go. And they took all of the other, all of the other passengers who were Jews and they kept them in one particular area, holding them hostage, threatening to kill them if their terrorist demands were not met, right there at the airport at Entebbe. The story goes that the Israeli Mossad and their defense uh, mechanism sent 100 commandos to the airport there in Entebbe to uh, raid uh, the, uh, the airport through Operation Thunderbolt is what it was called. It's an amazing story if you realize what they did uh, to rescue the people. The plan was to bust into the room and to speak Israeli and tell all of the people, the hostages that were in there, which were Israeli, to speak Israeli and to say, get down and crawl away. So the commandos executed this operation, busted into the room where all the Israelis were at, and they yelled in Israeli, in their language, get down and crawl away. The people in the room understood exactly what the commandos had said. They hit the ground and began crawling away, and the only people standing were the terrorists. The Israeli Mossad, one of the most elite special force units in the world, began opening fire on everybody that was standing and cut down all of the terrorists that were there. The only problem was there were four Israelis who heard, who understood and yet not, did not heed the word that they heard and remained standing, and they died along with the terrorists. Four casualties. Why? It wasn't because they didn't know. It wasn't because they didn't hear. They died as a casualty because they did not do and obey what they heard. You see, at some point, you have to put in action what we know as a child of God. At some point, you've got to start pedaling your spiritual bicycle. And if for no other reason this morning, it's not that you have a checklist, but December 31st, where you check all the boxes, it's simply because it's obedience to the word and the will of God. If there's going to be something that motivates us this morning, it's going to have to be simple obedience to what God would have us to do. Now, notice in verse 15 where he wants them to go. He says, go forward. We have an interesting term. We get it from the Bible. It's called backsliding. There's a reason it's called backsliding. Backsliding is when we as God's people are not doing what God has told us to do. That's why it's called backsliding. By the way, could I tell you this before I give you the second point this morning? Moving on is not the same as moving forward. Moving on is not the same thing as moving forward. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. That means I can't have a disobedience in my life and sin in my life. I'm just going to move on in the will of God and everything's going to be okay. No, no, no. That's not moving forward. That's trying to move on. But the Bible says we confess it, we forsake it, and then guess what? We find mercy. We've got to get out of this habit as Christians of thinking we can live the way that we want unrepentantly and still move forward in the will of God for your life. You can't move forward in the will of God for your life until you confess and forsake what's holding us back. That's Bible. 
I know it's not popular. I love you when I say it. I want you to move forward. I want you to pedal your spiritual bicycle like you're maybe, what is it, fourth grade? Man, in fourth grade, I would wear the tires off a bicycle. Oh, that we would have that heart this morning to move forward in the will of God for our life. But you can't do it until we take care of what thus saith the Lord. Number one, move forward by obedience. Number two, I think you got that one, so we're going to move on. Did we get it? Did we get it? All right, let's move on, okay? Chapter 14, we look down, go down to verse 19. We didn't read this, but I want to read this for you. So here come the Egyptians, and watch what the Bible says in verse 19. The angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. Number two is my favorite point this morning. I want you to get this today. The angel that went before them, the, God, the Bible says, he moved behind them. And the pillar and of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. We'll get verse 20. And it, came to, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. So watch this, okay? Picture this in your head. I think we all still have a little bit of imagination left, right? I know we lost an hour's sleep. But get this this morning, all right? So here they go. They've left Egypt. They're on their way. They're moving forward. And as they go about their business, all of a sudden they look behind them and say, would you look at that? You know, here I am trying to do what's right, and then now trouble comes. By the way, it's always going to come. The devil can't afford you to move forward. Now imagine what the people are doing. Well, if you look at verse 11 and 12, you know what they're doing. They're, mur they're murmuring. They're telling Moses, see what happened? I tried to do what God wanted me to. And look, here comes trouble. Now be careful when you get to this place. I want you to understand obedience should never be determined by the outcomes. Hear me close. Our obedience should never be determined by the outcomes. We say, what do you mean by that? Well, I know what God says, but if I do that, then I'm going to be asking for trouble. No, no. You should be obedient because thus saith the Lord. We should never weigh out whether or not we're going to be obedient based on the outcomes. This is number two. I want to show you how to be ready to move. Number two, move faithfully in spite of outcomes. Move faithfully in spite of outcomes. Now, I can relate to these people because I'm just like them. I am flawed and I can fail. It appears the children of Israel were under this impression that as I move forward, that I'm going to do it without opposition. I mean, they went out with a high hand, now they're murmuring and complaining. It's almost like they thought they were going to get away with doing the will of God without any opposition in their life. The truth of the matter is, obedience to God will always attract the enemies of God. Obedience to God is always going to attract the enemies of God. By the way, that's why most Christians are not obedient. What did Paul say in Acts 20? Paul says, I, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, and I'll paraphrase. He said, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, say the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city that bonds and afflictions abide or wait for him there. So here's Paul on a spiritual bicycle. He's moving forward, and he says, oh, there's trouble up there. Wait a minute. The Holy Spirit says there's bonds and afflictions. Folks, look, if the Holy Spirit showed us all the bonds and afflictions that are waiting for us, we'd never leave our spiritual house. Forget getting on the bicycle. We'd never leave the house. But what did Paul go on to say in verse 24? But none of these things moved me. Now, please get this this morning. Paul is saying the outcome should not affect my obedience. 
I know it's going to be hard. I know there's going to be afflictions, but I know what God's leading me to do. And regardless of what I'm going to face, regardless of the persecution, the outcomes are not going to change the fact that I'm going to obey God. That should be our rallying cry this morning. That the outcomes do not affect our obedience. Now, I know that's easier said than done. But if you're not careful, you'll start letting the consequences of living for God clutter your mind on being obedient to the command of God. You know, I'm just be honest, as a pastor, I told my Sunday school class today, sometimes I look out from the pulpit, and oh, you're thinking, oh, they're not going to like this. Well, they're not going to like that. I can't say this, and I can't say that. And next thing you know, I'm up here preaching. Look, this is just horrible, but I'm just going to share with you my carnality, okay? I'm just as carnal as you are, maybe worse. I'm up here preaching, and I see folks, boy, and oh, and just looking. Oh, I mean, sometimes it's tough. That's why I ask you to smile every once in a while. Least you could do, okay? You get out quicker that way anyway. And I'm looking out, and you see people, boy, and then, boy, putting, putting their head down, shaking their head. And I'm thinking, man, Lord, I don't want to say that. Lord, I don't want to preach on that. Lord, I just saw on Facebook the other day. That's why it's horrible for a pastor to follow members on Facebook because you're like, I really don't want to go there, God. Well, they're not going to like me. My goodness, they're, they're not going to talk to me or they're going to be gone for two weeks after I preach that. And suddenly we're weighing out our obedience to God based on the opposition that's going to come. Let me tell you something. The outcomes are God's. It's up to us to be obedient. To do what thus saith the Lord, to say what thus saith the Lord, to stand where thus saith the Lord, and leave the outcomes to the obedience to God. Let him handle that part. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. It's not for me to worry about all these things. It's for me to be obedient to seek him first. In his kingdom and his righteousness. Oswald Chambers, I love reading behind him. He sums it up in this quote. Let consequences of your obedience be up to God. Let the consequences of your obedience be up to God. There are times I'll be up here preaching or, 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 or talking and the Holy Spirit will say, hey, hey, I want you to preach on that. And I'm like, no. Believe it or not, I tell him no every once in a while. And it doesn't last and he usually wins. But I still want to tell him no. Why? Because I know sometimes even I don't like what I'm going to have to say. I think, boy, it's going to be a low crowd tonight. Man, they're not going to come back. Visitors show up, and man, here you are. You seem like an ogre, and you seem mean. They're not going to come back. God says, you let me worry about the outcomes. God says, you be obedient to what I've called you to do. And I try to preach the truth in love, but in the end, folks, the outcomes are up to God. We let God worry about the consequences. We let God worry about the feelings. But the people of God have got to stand on the word of God, be obedient to the will of God, and then let God handle the rest. Folks, look, you raise your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You train up your children the way, well, what if people don't like them? Hey, let God handle the consequences. Well, you know, if I, if I lead my home by the word of God, we're just not going to fit in a society. Hey, God didn't call you to fit in a society. Let God handle that. Number two this morning, move faithfully in spite of the outcomes. Acts chapter 5, for the sake of time, I'll not read. You know the story well of Peter and the disciples who've been hauled in, arrested, persecuted, and told never to preach again. Don't speak of his name again. What are they saying? You're not going to like the consequences. I've been told that before, believe it or not. I've been advised not to preach on certain things and not to say certain things. And I appreciate good advice, but I sure don't like bad advice. And that's bad advice when it goes against what thus saith the Lord. Acts 5, the Bible says in verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Now watch this, watch this. 
here's the, here's the bad guy saying, didn't we tell you what the consequences were going to be? And it's almost like Peter says this, whew, all right, look, I just want to let you know, the consequences aren't up to us. The outcome, that's up to God. We ought to obey God rather than man. We have to be obedient. Folks, if we're not obedient to the will and the word of God, what on earth are we doing here? We are just a social club of nicely dressed people this morning. That's it. If we're not going to be the pillar and the ground of truth, what on earth are we wasting our Sundays for? At some point, we as the people of God have got to decide, I'm going to be obedient in spite of the outcome. I think about Abraham when Abraham's walking up Mount Moriah with Isaac. Woo. Abraham, take your son, sacrifice him up on that mountain. I'm going to show you. Abraham says, okay. Okay. I'm going to be obedient. Why? I don't know. What? How? I don't know. But just God says, do it. So I'm going to, they're walking up the mountain. Isaac says, dad, there's the fire and there's the wood. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? What did Abraham say? God will provide. You know the answer this morning to the consequences and outcomes is simply two words, God will. God will. I'm, I'm just going to do what God said, and I'm going to be obedient to God, and I'm going to let God handle the rest. Folks, there's going to come a time in your spiritual life, I'm, I promise you, it may have already come, and it's going to come more and more often as this world gets more dark, to where you're going to start weighing out the outcomes and obedience. Outcomes or obedience. Look, the outcomes, let me take a load off of you. The outcomes are not yours or mine. My responsibility is simply to be obedient to what God's called me to do. And by the way, that's not just preachers. That's Christians. If I start living by this book and leading by this book and being obedient to what the book says, people are going to, no, it doesn't matter what people say. The outcomes are not yours. Simply put, if we're going to move forward, we've got to leave the outcomes to God. I've quoted this verse often this week. Proverbs 6, 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. There are times I'll be back there studying. Look, now I'm not talking audibly to God, but in my heart I am, and I think he hears it just as clear. God, are you sure? All right, God, point number two, are you sure? Are you really sure? Are you sure? Now, isn't that kind of horrible to ask God, is he sure? Of course he is, he's God. Mom and dad, you're raising your kids in this crazy mixed up world we're living in. Are you sure? He, can I go ahead and tell you the answer? He is. He is. The Bible says that when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Watch. What is our priority this morning? Please the Lord. God, I'm going to please you. God, I'm going to stand up for what you say. And I'm going to leave the enemies to you. I'm going to leave the enemies to you. I was thinking about Daniel this week, quoted this a few times this week, where you, you think about it, that Daniel was in the middle of a lion's den of animals that on a normal basis would want to shred him to pieces. But I, I love what God did. The Bible says, when you read it in the book of Daniel, he stopped the mouths of the lions. You know, sometimes as a pastor, and oh, I, I hate to tell you this, but it's true. There are times I don't want to say maybe what needs to be said, do things that need to be done. You know why? Because I'm worried about the mouths of the lions. What are they going to say? I know they're going to run me down. I know they're going to talk about my family. And you're thinking, Lord, please, we're having a great year. 
why do you want to go ruin it by asking me to do this or to say that? Lord, are you sure? God says, let me stop the mouths of the lions. And by the way, God's a great lion tamer. You raise your kids right. Don't worry about the lions. Well, the lions sometimes are more hyenas. They're going to cackle and they're going to squawk and they're going to squeal only because they're guilty. Let God handle the lions. Let God handle the mouths of the lions. I want you to notice something. In my soul, this blessed my heart. When you look down to verse 19, the Bible says, The angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. you got to hear this, okay? I want to encourage you with this right here. God will always stand behind your behavior. You just stand. Let God stand behind your obedience. But God, I can't, I'm a teenager, and if I, if I take a stand for you, they're going to be laughing at me. They're going to be talking about me. Watch this. As soon as you make the decision to be obedient to the will and the word of God, God comes behind you, and God says, I got your back. And he stands behind you. We should never be afraid to be obedient. We should never be afraid to speak what thus saith the Lord and to stand where thus saith the Lord. Why? Because as soon as we're obedient, God says, I got your back. Let me tell you, I got some good friends in this room. I got good friends in this world. I got friends who I think would kill for me, which is scary that they want to so bad. It does. I'm like, easy, easy, easy. My dad led a man to the Lord, great big old guy, six foot five, muscular guy, and walks up to my dad one time and he says, Brother Jack, are they causing you problems? I'm like, they're going to die. It's a big old man. He used to walk to church, big old man, Brother Travis, Miss Deborah remembers him, big old man. I mean, he was willing to back up his pastor. What a blessing that is to have that. But can I tell you, even greater than that is when you stand for God and speak for God and be obedient to God, God's got your back. He comes up behind you and he says, don't worry about the lions. Don't worry about the army. Don't worry about the hearsay. Don't worry about the persecution. Don't worry about the chatter. I got your back. And I want to tell you, there's nobody having your back like God. That helps you to stand. God says, I got your back. Look at verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Do you know what I want to do? When I hear people talking about me, it happens on a weekly basis. And I'll hear chatter. And, Did you hear this? Did you hear that? What a blessing it is to hold my peace. I don't have to go to defend every little thing and every little chatter the world has to say about me, and you don't have to do it about you. Let the Lord fight for you. Let the Lord speak up for you. Let the Lord handle it. Hey, you just focus on standing. You just focus on what thus saith the Lord. And God says, hey, I'm going to slip on around back behind you. I got your back. I got your back. How do we endure criticism? Well, there was a uh, preacher one time that was asked that question, elder preacher faithful to the, for, to the Lord for many, many years. And a younger preacher came to him and says, how do you endure criticism? I know you get a lot of criticism. How do you endure criticism? He said, well, it's kind of like this. He said, my neighbor, my neighbor has a barking dog. And evidently that's a problem for all of us preachers. The Lord helps us stay humble with. And uh, he said, my neighbor has a barking dog. And every time it would be a full moon, that dog would come out there and bark. And bark at the moon. Just barking at the moon. I know people who do that, but he was talking about his dog, just barking at the moon. He says, you know what, do you know what I learned one night? That no matter how much that dog barked, the moon just kept on shining. That's what you ought to resolve in your mind. No matter how much the dogs bark, 
no matter how much the lions roar and the armies rage, that you're just going to keep on doing what God puts you there to do and let God handle all the barking. Why? Because outcomes are not our business. Those are all of God's. He says, I'm going to slip on around behind you. And I'm going to protect you. What a blessing. God goes before us and God goes behind us. Before I give you the last point, I read this this week. Another pastor, oh, he said it way more eloquently than I could. He says, God will handle the consequences of our obedience. Now hear this. We will handle the consequences of our disobedience. Hmm. Let that sink in. God says, I'll handle the consequences of your obedience. Don't worry about that. Well, God, what about what's going to happen here? What's, no, God says, you be obedient. I'll handle the consequences of obedience. But when you and I choose not to stand and not to speak and not to do what thus saith the Lord, God says, you have to handle the consequences of disobedience. I promise you this morning, you'd rather let God fight the consequences of obedience for you. So number two. How do we be ready to move? Well, move faithfully in spite of outcomes. Don't weigh out what's going to happen. Just be obedient to what God said. And finally, here's my favorite part. We're going to end on a high note. Watch what happened in verse 22 after he parted the Red Sea. The children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Now, can we picture this real quick before we close? It's thundering out there anyway. You don't want to walk out there in the rain. Man, it took you so long to get that hair ready this morning. You don't want your hair to fall down. All right, so let's just stay a little bit longer and I'll be done. Point three. On the right hand is water. On the left hand is water. And behind them is the enemy. And it's still there. They haven't drowned yet. They're still there. But there's a, a very important little phrase in verse 22 that I want you to see. And the children of Israel went, watch this, into the midst. Into the the midst. God didn't take away the Red Sea. God didn't remove the army, yet they're still there. But watch what they're doing. The third thing I want you to see, they're moving freely through the opposition. That's number three. They're moving freely through the opposition. You know, obedience doesn't guarantee the bad days are going to be gone, but obedience guarantees you can move on in spite of them. The Red Sea was here, Red Sea was there, enemies there, and yet they're moving freely right in the midst of their opposition. You know, sometimes we think because we have troubles on this side and troubles on that side that we have to get off our bicycle. No, keep moving. Why? Because through obedience, the Bible says God parted that thing on the left and the right. He cut them off on the back side. God says just keep moving even in the midst of the opposition. What a blessing. You say, well, I got troubles in my life. Look, God can part your seed just like he parted theirs. You say, well, I got people hot on my heels. I did what God says, and boy, I hear the army coming. Don't worry about it. By the grace of God, we move freely in the midst of our opposition. Remember, the lions didn't get taken out of the den. Daniel lived in the midst of them. God didn't turn down the fire. God didn't turn off the fire in the midst of the fiery furnace. They walked, the Bible says, in the midst of it. God didn't turn off the storm. Peter walked in the midst of it. What does that mean? That in obedience to what God's called us to do, God allows his children to walk freely in the midst of opposition. That's why we don't need to fear. That's why we don't need to worry. God's going to take care of it. There's a mobster, many of you might have heard of him, maybe you've watched a movie on him, I don't know. I don't know him very well, but I read about him years ago. By the name of John Gotti. Anybody know him personally? All right, good answer, good answer. I'm afraid few of you are going to tell your testimony here in front of everybody. 
He was a notorious gangster and a crime boss. He always stayed one step ahead of the FBI. I mean, he was smart. And he earned the name Teflon Don. Man, you did good. Man, nobody bit on that one. You're like, oh, yeah, I watched that movie or I knew him personally. He was known as Teflon Don. Teflon, obviously, is that stuff in your frying pans that nothing sticks to. That's where he got the name. They couldn't stick anything to him. They tried three different major trials. They tried to get him for racketeering and uh, extortion and all these other things, and they just couldn't get anything to stick to him. I thought about that today, thinking about how often we as the people of God, when we are obedient to the will of God, we're kind of like old Teflon Don. The devil tries to attack us from this side and tries to attack us from this side and opposition from behind, and it just can't stick because our God allows us to move freely through the opposition. Proverbs 29, 25, I want to close with this. The Bible says, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whosoever putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Fear of man, the fear of the consequences, fear of the outcomes. God, if, God, if I do what you say do, God, it's going to hurt me here, and the army's going to come, and then we've got the Red Sea. No, God says, just be obedient. I'll allow you to move freely in the midst of opposition. It's the fear of man that bringeth a snare. When you fear what man says about how you raise your kids, you're bringing a snare. When you fear about being faithful to the will and the word of God in your life and in your home, when you fear what man's going to say about that more, you're bringing a snare. You might as well be setting a bear trap right in the midst of your home. You say, but it's scary because if I trust God, I have to just trust him. You do. But oh, can I tell you, your faith is not misplaced. That when we trust God, to keep moving, staying on that spiritual bicycle, suddenly you find yourself having more of those fruits of the Spirit, being more of a witness and a light because you decided, you know what, God, I'm just going to worry about being obedient. And if I be obedient, you'll handle the outcomes and you'll handle the opposition. So let me ask you this in closing. What is it this morning God wants you to do? What is it that God wants you to do? You say, well, I, I know what God said do is either get saved or get right or, or get more busy for him, get more fa- I know what God wants, but I'm worried about, you know, that how it's going to affect my job, and I'm worried about how that's going to affect my friends. Leave the outcomes to God. Leave the opposition to God. And let's just handle obedience this morning. Folks, it's time to get ready to move. God says, just be obedient, and I'll handle the rest. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.